Hey there, welcome to the Collide Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And if you are one of the people who are part of the community that subscribes to this podcast, I'm so glad that I get to hang out with you every single week. And if you are not a subscriber, just so you know, you can become one if this is your first time hopping on this podcast. I just want you to know that I'm so glad you're here. I get to every week have the great privilege of sitting across from people who are experiencing God doing powerful things in their lives. And just like we see in the New Testament, Jesus show up on people's scenes and do amazing things, healing things, meaningful things, life-transforming things. We're hearing about that kind of Jesus move and work on this podcast every single week. And today is no different. I'm about to hand you this great, great interview that I had with Lily DeBlue. She is the co-founder of Speak Up, Stand Up, Save a Life, which is an organization that empowers adults to support students that are going through rough, rough things. And she's a champion for children and women and a community leader. She's been a lifelong learner herself and received degrees in elementary education, business administration, and She's a doctor. She has her PhD in educational leadership and supervision. And her and I have a fabulous conversation about what's going on in the lives of teens, the hardships they face, and how we as adults can be people who create safe spaces for them to share what's going on. It's when they share what's going on that we can help them. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it inspires you to be that kind of trusted adult for kids in your world, in your sphere. So take a listen. Lily, I'm so excited to sit down with you and talk. I've been kind of stalking you to figure out who you are, what you're up to, and what God is doing through your life. And it's amazing you co-founded this organization, Speak Up, and it's empowering other adults to support students with depression, suicide, grief, abuse, and bullying. I am hoping you can kind of rewind back to how this idea of this organization even came to be. So first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, truly, I've been blessed in my life. I, I can't complain. I have no complaints. But this organization, Speak Up, Stand Up, Save a Life, started about seven years ago. Uh, my girlfriend and I, Gina Godby here, we were at a Leadership West class, leadership program, and we had to come up with a pro with a project at that time. It just so happens that there was a murder-suicide at one of the local high schools. And with me being a superintendent and her at the time being uh, an attorney with Maricopa County, we decided to do a conference to bring kids in and give them resources and hope and belief that life was worth living. So seven years later, we're still at it. Um, We were live at Grand Canyon University for the first three years. And then COVID hit, so we had uh, virtual conferences. But we're really, really looking forward to 2023 to have our next live conference um, back at GCU in in Phoenix, Mm. Arizona. It was just a a passionate 
a belief of ours that we have to save the children. Um, these kids out there are going through so much, especially because of social media, where it's easy to bully, to decide you want to commit suicide, to start cutting and to post all these things. And so we're losing lots and lots of children day in and day out of all ages. And that's what we want to do to inspire them to want to live, to know that life is worth living, that God has a plan for them, and we're here for them, that adults are truly here for these students. I want to ask you so many things about this work, but I'm kind of curious, you know, you served in a multitude of roles in the educational system. You were in this leadership class. You you kind of assigned to come up with something, um, but it was just for a class and now it became a thing, you know, which is so cool. But do you think that all your roles in the educational system prepared you for this calling that you now have? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Because I started off as a teacher, uh, actually started out volunteering, teaching Spanish at my kids' school. And then I thought, you know what? I could do this for a living. This is just sounds like fun. So I became a teacher and then a principal, assistant superintendent, superintendent. So my passion has always been children, uh, their education, how to get them from point A to point B. Um, in, in terms of their academics. But, you know, it goes deeper than that. And what people mm-hmm. need to realize that when you're in the school system, these kids become yours. And you're not only in charge, if you will, of their academics, but their well-being as well, because they look up to you. Teachers are gods in the face of children. And so we need to be there for them to help them. They go through so much at home. Uh, they experience homelessness, uh, issues at the home with the parents, domestic violence, poverty, discrimination, and so much more that they don't know how to handle it. And they want to tell someone, they want to tell what we call a trusting adult. So while academics are vital, let there be no doubt about that, it's really, really important to reach these children just to let them know, you know, you are loved and cared for. And this too shall pass and just provide them those resources that they may need or want. Mm. You talk about a trusting adult. I am sure that over the years, as you were seeing kids and the lives that they were living, both in the school, but outside the school, the home they returned to, the situations that they lived in all the time, you saw the power of a trusted adult. Can you share how how you started, you know, in your experience, sort of you were being formed and shaped in the educational system as you dove into it, that you started to see the power of a trusted adult in a kid's life? Absolutely. So I always got close to the students and chose to mentor them in one form or fashion. And it was wonderful when they saw you as a human being as well, which we all are. It was easy to trust, you know, because kids not only see you at the school, but if you live in the community, they see you out in the community, in the grocery store, etc. And just to know that, oh, my God, that's my teacher. And they talk to me and it's okay to talk to them. And when you make yourself available for them, whether it's before school or after school, or just place a call home to say, hey, how was your day? It just lets them know 
wow, it's not just a brick building that I'm going to, but there's a real human in there that cares for me. And when you start seeing the light bulb flash in these kids, because they want to talk to you, they want to trust you, and they come to you with really heartfelt feelings and start trusting in you, you can't help but love them and want to do everything you can and reach out to the community to help them. So I knew early on, oh my God, this is certainly something that I want to do and I want to be available for students. I want to be that trusting adult so that when they feel that they're alone, that they have no one, that they have someone they can go or call to. And it's interesting because I'd give my phone number out and people would say, are you crazy? You can't be giving out your phone number. Well, you do. And I'll never forget one time years ago, a girl called me and she says, I'm on the roof of my house. And it was late at night, I don't know, maybe 10. And I thought, what are you doing on the roof of your house? And they felt safe up there. But my concern was, wait a minute, if you're on the roof, is there more going on that I should be aware of? So it gave us that opportunity to connect and talk and then to meet and say, all right, this is not really something you should be practicing. And let's talk about why and help them out in, in that way. And I can give you many other examples of students that have just reached out. And in our organization, we really feel that we have saved some lives of, of kids who just didn't feel like they could go to anyone and then were able to open up and find the help that they needed. Mm, so very cool. It reminds me of how important it is to establish a relationship with someone so that you can begin to sort of go deeper to what's really going on in kids' lives. So important. So, Lily, you guys empower other adults to support students. What's the hardest part of your work? Is it convincing other adults that students have hard things going on and need support? Or is it convincing adults that they have what it takes to be a part of the solution? Um, I think it's letting them know that they have what it takes. Uh, because in every human being, there is a little soft spot believe it or not, for children and, and their issues, because we've all been there and we've all had problems or concerns, etc. But just letting them know, you know, you have what it takes. Look at that child looks at you. Look at how you look at me. Look at the things you do in this world. Just give a little bit of your time to come help the children. And we've been really, really lucky. Uh, We've had over 500 volunteers for this event, and that's huge uh, when you consider this was something, and I always say, started by two girls with no money. I mean, it, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing to look at people and say, join us, whether it's to cut out posters, hand out T-shirts, facilitate a session, just tell us what you're comfortable with. Volunteers keep on coming back because they love the excitement of the conference. And when they come into this arena and they're listening to music and kids dancing and talking to each other, it's absolutely amazing. Every time I look at the highlight video on our, on our website, I, I mean, I get all shaken. Um, it's just amazing to see the power of everyone together, knowing that we're all there for the same purpose to let these kids know you are loved and we are here for you. And the smile on their faces, the getting up and talking. Um, we usually have 
people there that can help them, counselors, etc. And they will go up and say, I want to talk to someone. I'm a cutter. I need help. And when you're able to help someone, it, it's just eye-opening. It, it's very, very rewarding to know that, you know, we can't save all the children in the world, even though that's our goal, but we most certainly can start one child at a time. So very cool. I resonate so much with, um, we put on huge conferences for women and it's always so amazing to me, not only the stories that walk in the room, but the power of God in the room with people gathered around a common purpose to know that God loves them and that their life matters and the things that can happen. It's so amazing. I can't imagine being in a room with 5,000 kids and experiencing that. I'm curious because you've had so much time in, in your life working in so many roles in the educational system, now leading this organization. Do you think depression and pressure and suicide and bullying are getting worse? You know, I, I hate to say yes, but, and I think so. And the reason is this, because of social media, it's very, very easy to hide behind your phone, behind your computer, where not necessarily your face is showing and to say ugly words that you probably wouldn't say if you were standing face to face to that one person you're choosing to bully, et cetera. So social media has really done more harm than good, in my opinion, uh, to children and students and even adults. It's so easy to just go out there and say something that maybe deep down inside you don't mean. So, you know, when you're in front of these students and you're talking to them about those issues, and a lot of times, you know, the example I use a lot is when people say, well, they're in the brick building. And I tell the kids, somebody pinch me. They're like, well, we don't want to pinch you. Well, pinch me. I am that brick building. So while you think you're insulting someone in a building, in a school across the computer, there is a live person behind that that you're affecting mentally and emotionally. And it really changes their perspective because they don't quite think about it that way. You know, they think, so I'm just going to text and press send. There's a human on the other end who is going to get offended or felt bullied, have the desire to commit suicide, commit suicide live, decide to cut, because we have inflicted pain in them. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's getting harder, but yet easier, because they have this easy ability to just get on the phone and the computer and so now we hear about it more. And while I do think it's getting worse, I also think, well, we hear about it much more now. Years ago, we didn't have any of that. I never heard of suicides, bullying as I was growing up. And yet I know it existed. I'm sure it did, but not to the extent it is today. It, it's way too easy and available for students to act that way towards others. You help teens identify when someone's in crises. And so I'm just thinking about people listening to this podcast. Can you teach them how to look for signs that someone might be in a crisis? Sure. Um, so sometimes we say, or adults say, well, there were no warning signs. We have to look deeper. Because, for example, if I live in Arizona, if you see someone 
in 120 degree weather, a child wearing a jacket with a hoodie, they're covering something up. And chances are they're covering up the cutting or something. So kind of look for changes in people. If someone was once bubbly and happy and all of a sudden they're just sad, they don't talk to anyone, they isolate themselves from their friends. Let's not say, well, it's a kid, it's a teenager. No, there is a sign that something is wrong. If you used to constantly talk to someone and all of a sudden they shut you out, something is wrong. So those are all different warning signs that we can, you know, be mindful of and just ask the question, are you okay? How can I help you? Is there someone you want to talk to? If not me, can I take you to someone? Because oftentimes we say, well, it's a kid. Don't worry about it. Kids are human too. And we cannot ever forget that. Those are really great pieces of advice. I, I'm even thinking of people I know right now as you're saying that. I'm curious how signs of abuse, grief, depression, you know, suicidal ideations, how do those things come out sideways sometimes and can be good indicators of what's happening? Because I think oftentimes people aren't recognizing something is happening, happening in a kid and those things sort of come out sideways. What are some things to maybe look for um, in that sense? Um. Let me see. So in terms of kids in school, let's look at their grades and their workmanship uh, and their desire to volunteer and be around others. Let's look at children's uh, students' eating habits. Did they go from healthy eating to then just, no, I'm really not hungry today. And that happens one, two, three days with just a bite. You know, you look at that and it seems like it is very subtle, but it's a huge sign that mm. something's going on. Um, sometimes things happen at home. When we look at COVID and all the parents who lost work or so many family members that died and students who were already struggling, now you see that there may be an excuse, well, I'm depressed because of COVID, but you just kind of look at how they're doing in their school life, in their social life. And that should bring something in us and say, something else is going on. How can I help this child? Or, or, or a divorce, something like that, that happens at home. You know, and, and many of our kids, unfortunately, I've had the experience where they're doing fine, but their friend decides to commit suicide, maybe. Or they're bullied and they don't know what to do to help but they really, really want to. So, and they're trying to reach out to someone and it doesn't always work because sometimes teachers are busy, adults are busy. Okay, okay, everything's just fine. Well, it's not. So we have to look for those subtle signs as well. And not just in kids, adults as well. Mm-hmm. When when we see those signs, then what? Like what's your advice when we recognize a teen isn't doing well, then what is our next step? You know, so I would talk to the student and, and obviously the, the importance of building relationships is very, very, very important. We don't wait till the last minute till there's a tragedy or they need something to form those bonds. So once you have those bonds, then you can say, how are you doing today? I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Can we have lunch? Can I help you? Can 
Do you want to call me? Can I meet you before school, after school? Do you want to talk to mom or a counselor, if not me? Just reaching out. And the importance of having groups in school of students to help out is really vital because kids like to talk to kids, not always to adults and their parents. We know that. Mm -hmm. But with Speak Up, we have groups in schools and they are there. They wear their shirts in some cases um, on Thursdays and say, we're here for you. And so kids feel that connection. You know what? I can call someone or I can talk to someone. Or better yet, if they don't want to do it face-to-face, they can do it anonymously via a box or just go online and just give them that opportunity. But at least what I think is you have to acknowledge that something is wrong. You know, sometimes you see a kid just smoking and you let it go because you're busy, whether you're a parent, an aunt, an uncle, etc. There's something to that. They may be asking for help in the silent way. And we are the ones who need to say, how about a cup of tea, a Coca-Cola with me? Let's just chat and share your story as well, because kids want to know your story as well. Hey, friends, as a special thank you for listening to our podcast, we wanted to give you all $10 off your tickets to our Meant for More conference on March 3rd. At this conference, we will be hearing from Maddie Pruitt-Trout, Candy West, and Willow Weston. We are so excited to hear from these incredible women. So follow the ticket link in our show notes. Use code podcast at checkout and the discount is yours. Thank you so much for tuning in every week and we hope to see you at the conference. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I keep thinking about this story just because it it's so simple, but my husband signed up years ago because my my son played football. So my husband said, I can help with the football team um, just as a volunteer coach. And um, there was a kind of a pep talk sometime around Mother's Day where the coach was saying, you know, like, be nice to your moms this week, that this kind of thing. And sort of what came out of that was, you know, my husband saw this kid's kind of response, like his face. It went, you know, sort of downtrodden and melancholy and you checked in with him after and he's like I don't like I have a restraining order with my mom like I'm not like don't tell me to be nice to my mom like you know just he saw in his face something that he could go and connect with this kid about and I think oftentimes we sort of feel like who am I to say something who am I to do something but it's amazing how kids want to talk about it and it was actually that conversation that by the end of the season um, so many times after football my husband would invite these two boys who had really hard home lives to come with us to dinner after games and I remember the first time we brought them with our kids and our kids were like you know, ordering a Coke and a burger and all this stuff. And these two boys looked up and I was like, order whatever you want. Cause I could tell they were hesitating. They're like, really? Like we could have a pop. And I was like, yes, you can have a pop order, whatever you want off the menu. And anyways, by the end of the season, they came up to my husband and they're like, you're like my white dad. And I'm so glad that we got to hang out. And now like he's hung out and checked in with him for years to come after that. But the power of seeing something 
is a little bit off, like you're talking about, and not doing that thing where we sort of dismiss our own ability, our own power, our own impact and influence. And we go, oh, what can I do? But like stepping into it and seeing seeing what can happen as a result of that. There's so much power in that. There really is. You know, and it's like they say, just smile at someone. You just never know the impact that that's going to have on the next person. And it's hard to turn the other cheek. You know, we all get aggravated at times if someone cuts us off or if they're rude to us. But, you know, I and this when I I used to own a business and this is what it taught me, um, because sometimes you're just mad driving. But I would have the sign and the number of my business to the side. And I started blessing people if they got aggravated at me. They'd look at you like, what did she just do? And I still do that to this day. It's easy for me to say, you son of a gun, blah, blah. No, I'll go, God bless you. And I just keep on driving and it throws people off. Like, is she kidding? And that's the same thing we do with kids when we don't judge and just listen and don't react. If a kid tells you, yeah, I tried drugs yesterday. I had sex. Okay, tell me about it. You know, because what, what students used to tell me when I was working with, you know, Dr. D, adults think we don't know anything. And oftentimes, that's exactly how we treat adults. They know so much more than we give them credit for. They Google it. They talk to each other. They send pictures. So why react? Just someone to look at and love you unconditionally. Doesn't matter what I've done. That teacher, that man, that coach is there for me. And, and you know, like I was saying earlier, let's not react to, you did what? Oh, come on. How many of us haven't done something that maybe we regret or has really taught us a lesson? So let's just be honest and fair with kids and also let them know, you know what? I've been there. I did that as a kid. Heck, I did it as an adult. Let me tell you how I dealt with it. How can I help you deal with it? You guys talk a lot about creating safe spaces. And I think a little bit of what you're bringing up is even just our responses or our reactions feel unsafe. And so, you know, a kid might test us out, even our own children, if we're parents. Mm -hmm. And if we react, I know I've been the queen of sometimes reacting to something my kid tells me. It's almost a test to see, is this a safe space? And so often we're communicating without communicating it this is not a safe space. I'm curious what your top no-nos are when it comes to creating safe spaces for kids to share what's going on. So one of my students told me once, and I, because I asked, okay, what would you want us as adults or your parents to do? Don't freak out. When we try to talk to you, you freak out. And I said, okay, give me an example. So if I say I want to take my life, you freak out. And I told the students this, as a mother, thank you for telling me that because I would freak out. It's my children. I love you. What can I do? And that's our immediate reaction. Even when, when our child falls, we have to learn, let them get up and say, we're like, oh, honey, how are you? Are you okay? And they're just so embarrassed by it. So this child that told me that really taught me a lot. Don't freak out. And we tend to say, oh, my God, get everybody on the phone. Where do we take this kid? Emergency. Get the counselor. Instead of just calmly saying, that's a good point you've brought up. I'm sorry you feel that way. Let's talk. That's what kids want. They want us to react 
in a different manner without getting all excited and wanting to fix everything immediately. It's their message to say, I just want to be heard because maybe they don't even feel like causing themselves harm. They just want to see your reaction. Will this person listen to me? Will they dismiss me? And, and it's hard to do. Believe me, I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. Oh, my goodness. How do you not just go, oh, my God, that's my child. But that's what children want. They just want you to listen in a calm manner because that seems to calm them down as well. I feel like a lot of churches and youth groups and Christian parents, and I, I am one, have big hearts to create safe spaces so our kids can talk about what's really going on. And yet so many Christian teenagers or teenagers in Christian homes don't feel like they can open up in those spaces, whether it's with their parents or a youth group or at church. What do we need to get right in kind of like Christian circles to create safe spaces for kids? You know, and I don't know that there's any right thing, any right place, because it depends on the circumstance, on the family. For example, I grew up Catholic, so there should have been a safe space, but it just depends how strict are you with the child? What are the demands you're putting on this kid? You know, a lot of kids today, unfortunately, don't know religion and will never know it. But others are so tied to every little word in their particular church that they're fed up. They don't want to hear another Bible quote, another God will take care of you. They want to talk things that are happening in their heart. And whether you're a Christian or not, that's what they're seeking. So while some parents may say, this is a safe place, are you really acting upon that? Are you really listening to the child or are you just saying, hey, we're a Christian home. This is how we do things here. Well, this is how you may do things here, but that's not how my heart feels right now. Can we set that aside for a minute and be mom and dad and uncle and aunt? And, and those are the things that we need to do to create that space. Our beliefs are not always our children's beliefs, no matter how you raise them. You know that as well as I do. You could raise perfectly good kids going to church, and some parents are lucky enough, like me, praise God, they're doing well. But then you have others who fall off the wagon somehow. Why? It really wasn't a safe place after all. Maybe it was for you, but not for your child. So we really need to open up and listen to them. And sometimes kids don't want all that religion and Christianity. As long as you're talking about hope, and belief, it changes things in them. Let them speak up and let them truly feel a safe place without feeling like they're going to be punished for speaking out against the family's beliefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as you're talking, I, I think about Jesus and he really met people where they're at and he started there with them. And I think a lot of times our kids don't feel like we'll meet them where they're at. And so we actually don't know where they're at because they don't feel like they can open up and tell us. And that's, that's a huge miss. You know, I'm kind of curious, you come into these settings and you put on these huge conferences. You've talked about conferences for like thousands of kids at a time. And really, I would imagine your goal is to create a safe space where they can sort of 
come out with what it is that they're struggling with because your entire sort of driving mission is to save lives. And so you're inviting them to be real. What happens when you create a safe space? What are the things that sort of come out of a room full of thousands of teenagers? So first of all, it's a glorious moment to see all these youth together, just laughing and talking and meeting others uh, from towns away thinking, my God, we have the same issues, but we give them different avenues. Uh, So we have counselors or crisis counselors there. We give them an opportunity to talk, to just write things down, to draw, express via dance. So they have different modalities on how they can express themselves with people who have that same interest. And it makes it so much easier than if you just say, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to read this book and then we're going to regurgitate it. Mm. They have choices and options. And unfortunately, many of our students, especially those that have these feelings, they don't have choices. They go to a home that's destructive or they go to a place that doesn't care. We have to give kids choices on how to express themselves because we're all different. And I think that safe space that we create where they can talk, laugh, cry alone or with a group just gives them that freedom to be themselves. And they open up because they think I can be safe here. Every adult in this room is here for me. And that makes a difference when you see it's not just one person. All these folks care about me. Isn't that amazing? How many kids get that feeling on any given day where wherever you're walking in that arena, someone's high-fiving you, telling them you look great. How are you? It's such a great feeling. And, And that's the safe base we promote that then they want to take back to their schools and they talk about it all the time. I still talk to kids or I'm friends with them on Facebook. And they're like, when's the next conference? We miss it. We want to go. Can we volunteer? And you know you've reached someone when you've done that. The interesting part is, you know, we have sessions for parents and administrators and teachers as well. And I can't tell you how many adults have come up to me personally to say, I needed this. And you think, oh, my God, we're doing this for kids. But how many adults are hurting out there in pain? I had one student, uh, one um, parent come to my office one time and said, I want to thank you for this conference. And you invited me to volunteer because his daughter was in my school. And he said, what you didn't know is that I was just diagnosed with Parkinson's and was thinking of taking my life. Just being there in the excitement and listening to the speakers saved me. And now I know how to deal better with my own family. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at that and you say, oh, my God, how did this happen? Because by just reaching one person, you can reach so many because that person then will become the prophet, if you will, to go out there and say, hey, listen, let me tell you my story. Let me help you. And that's what happens with kids. They get energized and empowered to go back to their schools. And I love, love, love listening to the projects that they start at their schools. You know, if they're an eighth grader, well, we go to the kindergarten and tell them you're worthy. We love you and make posters. How beautiful that is if we had the whole world doing that. Well, Mm -hmm. that's our goal. One child at a time. 
You know, it doesn't surprise me that you're unexpectedly seeing adults who are wounded and hurting, probably because we're in the work of that around here at Collide. But I think kids are hurting because adults are hurting. You know, it's we're we're wounding our kids because we need healing. And um, it's so cool to hear all that God is doing through you in this organization that you've started. And you're literally being used to save lives. And my last question for you, Lily, is, is there something about God and something that you see in Him or know about Him and His value on people's lives that gives you this passion to do this work? You know, I grew up very poor, um, but very happy. I didn't know I was poor till later on in life, but I, I do know that that faith was placed upon me. And not that you always believe when you're teenagers, et cetera, you rebel. And I was as rebellious as every other teenager out there. But that stayed with me. And I know that in spite of all the hardships in life, God has always been with me throughout it all. And I could always go back and say, I don't understand this. I'm kind of mad about it, God. We have our little arguments every now and then. But then you see the light and go, ah, now I know why this happened. Now I understand. Because whatever higher power you have, I really believe you need that to reach out to. Life is too hard otherwise. And it gives you that sense that there is a presence there. You know, and when you go through, especially death, uh, in the last four years, I had my husband die and my mother. It's hard to understand. It's hard to take. But I think, you know what? I'm just going to survive this. Others before me have. And I have to be there for the next generation to let them know this is the cycle of life and it's okay. And whoever your higher power is, they're going to get you through this. And I'm going to be there right with you along the way. Mm. Well, Lily, I am so grateful for what you're doing. I'm so, so excited to see you get back in action after not being able to have conferences for a very long time. I know we're excited too around here that we get to be back with the people and experience the power of God with the people. And I, I'm excited to see what God does through you and your organization. So thank you for hanging out today. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about my passion and the children and just be there with me to save one life at a time. And God bless you for the work that you do. I'm, I'm honored to have had the opportunity to share with you. And my dog says the same. I'm sorry he interrupted you. Oh, no. Give your dog a big old <laughs> hug. Lily, really quick before we hop off, how can people connect with your the work you're doing? So our website is speakstandsave.com. If you go on there, you can see the highlights, where to contact us. We have resources. They can always call me at my number, 520-390-6491, or lily at speakstandsave.com, and I'd be glad to answer any questions. Cool. Thank you so much, Lily. All right. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, friend, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I loved talking to Lily about creating safe spaces for kids. 
I was convicted myself just even as a parent on her sort of advice to not freak out. Man, how many times have I freaked out as a parent rather than creating safety? I love what I see in Jesus, that he creates such a sense of safety when he collides with people, that they feel like they can just come out with whatever it is. And and he shows them he can handle all the mess, all the pain, all the doubt, all the anger, all the stuff. And if we can just honestly more and more channel that kind of safety that Jesus does, we'll probably see more and more life change, more and more hope, more and more light in dark places. And so friend, I don't know what's going on with you this week, but my hope is two things. One, that you would know that Jesus can handle anything you have going on and he's your safest space. And the other thing is that you can be that safe space for other people and help them know that whatever it is that they have going, whether it's an adult or a kid, God can handle it. Not only can He handle it, He can heal it. He can help it. He can rescue it. So know that this week as you carry out your days. I hope that you'll check out all the resources we have on our website. If you love this podcast, we have so much more stuff for you, friend. So go to wecollide.net and just hang out on the site and you'll run into lots of options. I hope that you keep colliding and we'll catch you next week.